0: Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, feminism, and sexuality. I'm your host, Chicago comic Kristen Ryan, and today as our guest, we have with us Danny Gallegos. Hi there, I'm Danny. Uh,
1: okay, so I uh, helped to co-create a monthly shameful storytelling show <laughs> called "We Still Like You," and it's at the Flatiron Arts Building on the first Saturday of every month. It is also a podcast that you can find on iTunes for free. Um, I'm also the founder of an artist collective that is going to be debuting this month called Black, Brown, and Fucking Exhausted. <laughs> That's um, a great name. And it's going to be using uh, art as activism um, in the sense of like giving
0: underrepresented artists a place to shine. That's awesome. And I feel like that's something Chicago desperately needs. I mean, all cities need this, but especially Chicago.
1: Well, we were very inspired by Afropunk and mm-hmm. like what
0: they're doing and
1: like the way that they kind of um, celebrate diversity. Um, and and not
0: tokenize it. Yes.
1: Right, exactly. Like we really just wanted to make a thing for artists of color who are very underrepresented in Chicago to have a place where they don't have to feel like they're like, teaching anybody about mm-hmm. culture and just celebrating their own culture.
0: Definitely. And that's, I, I really am into this idea also because I've noticed comedy is written for a middle class white audience. Yes. And I run a show that is specifically for people who work in social justice areas. And hearing some of those jokes in that setting, I'm just like, oh, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> like,
1: mm, maybe, mm. <laughs> Not the most relatable right now, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. That's fine. Tell us about your labradoodle.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that project flourish. And I love We Still Like You. It's a super fun show in Chicago. You guys got to go if you haven't been it's the only place where you're, uh, you know, rewarded with love after telling the audience <laughs> the worst shit about you. <laughs> rewarded with love and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just like, they go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, Danny, I'm curious, how, um, how do you feel about horror as a movie genre? Um, I have always been fascinated
1: with horror movies, and I've always been drawn to it, like, even as a little kid, but I... I forget how easily afraid I get and, like, how much I let myself, like, get wrapped up in everything. Like, I think the first time I ever watched a horror movie, I was, like, really tiny and it was an accident and I slept with the door open, to like, the door to my bedroom open until I was, like, 12.
0: Oh, do you remember what movie it was?
1: No, I think my... Because my brother uh, was always super fascinated with, like, um, gory-type, like, horror stuff as well. And so he would just, like, always be watching stuff. And I would just, like, accidentally wander on in. And then I was just like, well, I guess I sleep with the door open forever now (laughs) i'm just terrified now thank Uh, you i remember uh, in like third grade hearing uh like a scary story told at school uh during lunch and i like had a panic attack about it while going to sleep and i covered every mirror in the house with blankets and i left uh, a blanket over my mirror for like a year oh wow yeah so, I, like, I love it, and it's, like, real like, I'm so drawn to it, but it scares me so
0: much. hmm Oh, man. Do you, by chance, remember the first horror movie? I think it was, um, do you remember? Well, okay.
1: I definitely accidentally watched parts of it.
0: Mm, because
1: uh uh, my brother had been watching it in the living room and I have like a memory of that. I think he was also watching Leprechaun once. (laughs) Yeah, I remember (laughs) that one too. Uh, And then, but like the first full horror movie that I ever watched, I believe, do you remember there was just like this really bad, bad horror movie in like the late 90s called The Cube? I remember the box. I never saw it, though. Yeah, it was very strange. Mm -hmm. And I barely remember it, but it was, like, very, very gory. Hmm.
0: I never particularly liked gore. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I, uh, as I get older, I find that, like, the horror genre that I'm, like, more drawn towards is, like, spooky, kind of, like paranormal-ish maybe but also probably like psychological mm-hmm. um but definitely not gore like gore I'm like that's fine but I also watch cis popping videos
0: like ah! constantly <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, <well. laughs> like I don't know give me something else uh, uh, actually my favorite genre within horror is like the psychological thriller where you don't know if this person is actually being haunted by something or if they're having like a psychological breakdown, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which is why mm -hmm. I'm very excited that you chose this movie today. Uh, Danny chose The Babadook for us to watch, which for those of you who haven't seen it, go run and watch it right now. Uh, Come back. And The Babadook is about a single mother trying to raise her child after the death of her husband, and they encounter this children's book that's delivered to them that starts to like haunt them in a way. It just, like, shows up on the shelf, I think. Yeah.
1: Because she's like, go get a book. Pick a book for us to read. And, of course, the demon child picks the, like, (laughs) giant big red book. And he's like, this one. And then he cries for the rest of the night.
0: Yeah. And throughout the movie, the book changes, like, what it says. And it's just, uh, it's very scary. And then you see the deterioration of the family model throughout the movie. Uh, But I'm curious, Danny, what made you choose the Babadook?
1: Um, I have a very strange relationship with my mother, um, and a lot of the, uh, reason for our relationship is, uh, like, she had a really weird relationship with her mother, and her mother is, my grandmother, is, like, Donald Trump without the power.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Like, she is... Terrible. Like, my grandmother is, like, full-blown narcissist. Just, like, always trying to start fights between, like, my my mom and her sister. And just, like, overall, like, very abusive. Very, like, um, just, like, led everybody in her family to eating disorders, etc. Yeah, like, my grandmother is the worst. And so, therefore, my mother... Uh, is traumatized by the experience of being raised by uh, this demon woman.
0: I remember that from some of your jokes, actually, about your grandmother. Yeah, yeah. End. She is a dragon woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I mean,
1: she's got a lot of great jewelry, though. <laughs> <laughs> I like to tell people that I come from, like, a long line of Disney villains, and it just gets, like, filtered through <laughs> And so, like, I have it in me, but I'm not that bad.
0: <laughs> you never know, you know. I Maybe mean, when you hit, like, 45, something. That's, old. like, my biggest fear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, all of a sudden, I hit 40, and I just snap, and all of a sudden, I really
0: am my mother. Oof. Like, oh, I notice it. I talk to people in checkout lines for a really long time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, I'm my mom. <laughs> I think I'm charming. Whatever. Oh, no, uh, you are. So yeah, this movie really talks about motherhood in a very specific way that, to me, is kind of also how I thought of motherhood and why I will never have children.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, this is a single mother who, like, even despite if someone had a traumatic event that led them to be single, or they're just a single parent in general, like, that's hard. Yeah. This is a hard life we're seeing this woman live. She's got no time to herself she doesn't sleep at night because she's obviously not dealing with the psychological damage of losing her husband um but yeah this just i see this movie and i'm like yep never having kids oh for sure <laughs> it's it really is birth control i know like i just want to take my iud out and hug it
1: yeah right oh boy because like oh that child like what if it turns out that loud and that ugly like
0: I can't (laughs) that poor kid I hope he ages well yeah the child is very like his face is very angular I mean, maybe it's the lighting it's
1: possibly the lighting they probably like did that in a very dramatic way but because I guess I haven't seen any photos of the kid outside of the movie but boy is that a spooky looking
0: kid yeah and just his so he's so shrill and he screams all the time it, great casting, yeah. fantastic casting. But yeah, this this mom, you know, day in day out, she's just working to like keep a roof over the house for her kid. And like, there's one scene that really struck out to me in particular, is like we have this moment where she's finally alone. Oh yeah. She, yeah, it's the, late at night. She just watched a little romance on TV, you uh-huh. know, and uh, like she's just going to have a second to masturbate. Just like two <laughs> fucking
1: seconds. Literally, like she has a vibrator. If you have a vibrator, it doesn't take that long. Mm-hmm. Like all she needs is like another minute.
0: <laughs> and then that fucking child. Yep. Ugh. And even the lighting changed, you know, in that scene we saw her face, like she kind of like looked womanly and sexy for a second yeah. you know and then it's like Brah! and just <laughs> right back to like right back in it mom roles and to me that kind of like lit up the idea of like you know once a woman becomes a mother she's just you know asexual any needs that she has are ignored because how dare you not provide for your family You know, I think that's society's expectation of mothers.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this isn't to say, like, that if, like, you want to become a mom, that this is, like, exactly how it's going to be. But (laughs) I think (laughs) it's, like, an accurate portrayal of how some women view motherhood uh, and, like, pretty much exactly why you don't want to have kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious do you do you think you want kids someday
1: No uh, I'm pretty staunchly like, as, like And I I only say that with some hesitancy In the fact that like I have always really loved the idea of adoption And like I at some point if I ever become like financially stable Which I don't think I will <laughs> You never know. You never know, but if I ever become financially stable um, and I'm at, like, a place in my life where I would like to, um, like, where, I don't know. My sister had a kid when she was, like, 36, and she was, like, it was literally all I could think about. It like, I didn't think I ever wanted kids, and then... I got to that point and I was like, it's all I can think about. It's all I want. Like Mm -hmm. my sister just like there was like something inside of her that became very maternally focused. And so like you never know if you're going to get to that point. And I feel like if I do ever, I would just want to adopt because like I've had it in my head that there's like so many unloved kids.
0: That's a really good point. And you don't ruin your vajay.
1: Yeah, you don't ruin your vajay. And I feel like uh, a lot of... I I don't care for it to be like my genetics. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't... Nothing about that is appealing to me. I don't want to grow anything. Mm-hmm. I don't need it to be mine. I just want it to be like, I don't know, a thing that I love and it loves me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that thing. I, yeah, I don't think I'll ever have kids. <laughs> you know, there was a two week period when I was 23 that I was like, I want a baby. And thank God that passed. Yeah, it's I, like was I was in... living in a shitty punk house. Like, yeah, that would have <laughs> been great, Chris. It was in
1: an emotionally abusive relationship where I convinced myself that I wanted to have his child. And then I was like,
0: whew, I got him out of that. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that's a model that a lot of families have taken to like you know have a baby and fix things like yeah it's never worked never not (laughs) once
1: you love that kid sure Mm -hmm. hopefully maybe but it's not gonna fix your relationship yeah and like boy a lot of hot takes so
0: far yeah i hope we're not offending anyone this is just our opinions i don't care (laughs) i get yelled at a lot I always get, like, when I tell people I don't want children, I always get this response from people, like, they almost feel sorry for me, and they're always like, someday you'll change your mind.
1: I only get that from older people. I don't really get that from anybody. That's true, yeah. Uh, one time before my father became a slightly more sensitive man, and I get along with my father really well, and I love him a lot, um, and this was many years ago, this was like five or six years ago, uh... I told him I didn't want kids and he was like, "Are you really that selfish?"
0: Oh, yeah, I am.
1: And I was but like that was my response at the time cuz I wasn't that like I wasn't as like eloquent as I am now, but my response was, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I am." Mm-hmm. Like, and I I am not going to be bothered by that. Like, it's my life. Mm-hmm. I get to do with it what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't need to give it to someone else, especially
0: in an overpopulated world mm-hmm I I agree with that 100% like I have no qualms telling people I'm selfish I love doing what I do with my time like for work being you know an advocate of organized labor and a union organizer if I have to go travel somewhere yeah I want to do that I want to be in the struggle or learning new things anywhere in the country and I, with comedy yeah I want to go perform wherever like, yeah I don't have to feel guilty about that
1: no I agree Uh, I mean, and I live my life the same way, but to uh, other people or to, like, the generation that came before us and especially the generation that came before them, it's just so foreign Mm -hmm. to have that kind of idea for your life because they weren't taught that that was a
0: thing that you could do. Oh, no. My parents got pregnant with me when they were 17 and, you know, then... just got jobs and boom we're adults like shit when I was that age I was a mess
1: oh my god I couldn't have done any of that I was going to parties at American Apparel warehouses
0: (laughs) I was so not ready to be a mother hang on guys I gotta bring my kid to this rave (laughs) (laughs) woof yeah so the other thing I really picked up on this like this really oppressive role that motherhood plays in this woman's life like, through the introduction of the character of the Babadook, who is, you know, from the children's book. Right. Like, you see her start to... Well, they call it letting the Babadook in. Uh-huh. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is, is the Babadook truly a creature that is haunting this family and tormenting the mother, like, inside the mother? Or is this the mother's... Is this a mother who is experiencing severe mental illness and becoming abusive what are your thoughts on that
1: um I I had that back and forth the entire time while Mm -hmm. I was watching the movie and I think they do that very much on purpose um because the moment the Babadook materializes is when her and her son start taking the pills Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like he doesn't start to show up until after the doctor's appointment and like and so I was taking notes throughout the movie and I was like yeah Ambien is a crazy drug
0: Mm. like what is that again
1: it's a a sleeping aid okay but it like famously if you take Ambien and stay up it makes you hallucinate hard
0: oh really yeah oh Uh I didn't know that
1: yeah so right after they take the pill is the scene where the Baba Duke materializes. And so I'm wondering if it's just like a lack of sleep with medication, hallucination, and like her mental state kind of deteriorating and... I don't know because I feel like from that point on we can't trust what we're seeing to be real
0: that's true and you know I hadn't put that much thought into the pills they were taking because I've never taken Ambien so that makes a lot of sense yeah Ambien's a crazy drug man also uh
1: what I wanted to make note of at some point was that her job as well is being a caretaker. hmm So this woman is just constantly taking care of other people and never once taking a moment for herself. That's so true. Yeah. Because she's, she's like a caretaker at an old folks home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the, that one moment where, she, where her coworker is like, I can look after your patient for you. Mm-hmm. If you need to go take care of your son. And she's like, yeah, actually, please. And she goes to like a mall and she eats an ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. And you get that like 45 second shot where everything is like bright. Oh, yeah. And she's tappy. like, and there's like twinkling music and she's like eating the ice cream cone and she's like kind of happy. And then she finds out that like her son like brought a weapon
0: to school. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. It does... Yeah, that's a reoccurring theme throughout the movie. Anytime she tries to take a moment for herself, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And that kind of made me think about, like, her evolving into this abusive character, because this... You know, her character has no control whatsoever in this life. just feels like she's dealt such a shitty hand, you know? And I wonder if when they were writing this, it almost felt like abuse felt like a form of control for her.
1: I feel like abuse
0: in a lot of senses is
1: a form of control for a lot of people. You often use, I mean, you as the general you, Mm -hmm. uh, often use abusive tactics to be the person in control in any kind of relationship. Uh Like, parental, romantic, friendship, etc. There are multiple forms of abuse that can, like, show their head in different ways. And generally, like, it is for a sense of control that, like, the person doesn't necessarily maybe
0: realize that they're doing, or that they want, or that that's like a thing that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember the first time I watched it, and we discussed this earlier. The first time you watch it, you're just like not in tune with how much the mother is like being triggered, and like right. you know, and like the second time around watching it, I felt like I understood the mom a lot more.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, also, was interesting. I found like when she, you know, she's clearly um possessed by the babadook and she's not acting like herself she's full-out abuser and she you know tells sam you're so hungry why don't you go eat shit uh that um, moment was like so weirdly cathartic because
1: mm-hmm. like up until this point she had been so calm to her son or like for the most part really calm to her son and like as uh I don't know, like you really, you relate to her and like finally <laughs> yeah. she says it and you're like, thank God someone said it. <laughs> know. And like, you don't ever want to be abusive to a kid at all and no kid ever deserves that and boy is that little, like he needed behavioral therapy, but he was really going to need it now. Yeah. Um, but you still, during that moment, it was like, ugh. It was, like, unbuttoning your pants after Thanksgiving dinner. You were just, like, Mm -hmm. fucking finally. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I also love, like, the scene right after that where the mom is uh, trying to make amends with Sam. And she's just got this, like, crazy look on her face. And she's like, we can go to Wally's and have ice cream, anything you want. And, like... They're sitting next to this booth of children that are just, like, screaming, and they're at their booth just, like, dead silent, and, like, I swear to God, like, one of Amelia's eyes is, like, twitching, and they're just eating ice cream. She's <laughs> like, such a good actress. <laughs> she was amazing.
1: Yeah. Um. At the very beginning of the movie, when they're at, like, the supermarket or something, uh, and that kid was, uh, the son is, like... Uh, My father died on the way to whatever, uh, like, taking my mom to give birth to me. Mm -hmm. And the mom's just like, no.
0: I'm like, shut up. Don't say (laughs) that. that." new
1: people. (laughs) Yeah. And then the woman at the supermarket is like, well, she's very lucky to have you then. And, like, the look in her eyes is Mm -hmm. so dead. Oh, yeah. Just so dead. And she just kind of, like, nods Mm -hmm. without saying anything. And you're just like... Fuck, she doesn't think that at all. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Also, I noticed that uh, the Babadook looks a lot like Sam in his magician costume. Yes. In that one scene where he's like weirdly touching her face while she's trying to tie his shoe. Mm -hmm. And he's like, let me do a magic trick. Mm -hmm. And also, you can do sleight of hand magic, but you can't tie your own shoe. (laughs)
0: Sam... (laughs) Get it together, Sam. Come on. You can use your hands. One thing I found really interesting in Sam's character, though, is after Amelia has the freak out, they go to Wally's, they hit a car, and then she's, like, sitting in a bathtub in her clothes in the water. That's the only time she's not wearing
1: uh, either dark blue or pink with yellow.
0: Oh. She
1: wears that velvet red dress. Oh, yeah. And she sits in the bath. And that's the only time you see her not wearing her, like, her caretaker outfit is like a pink dress with white stockings. And then her depressed at home outfit matches the color scheme of the house, which is dark blue and gray, monochromatic.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: suddenly she's wearing that red velvet, ga- like, almost gown. Mm-hmm. And then she just sits in the bathtub with it.
0: Yeah, that was such an unnerving scene. And then you saw Sam kind of transform out of it, because in that moment he's like, hey, how about I call Claire? Why don't we talk to Mrs. Roach? Why don't, oh God, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) And you see, like, in a lot of uh, relationships where the parent is the abuser, the child becomes the parent. Uh And I think that was really representative of that in that moment. Because Sam's been an asshole the whole movie. And then all of a sudden... And then all of a sudden he's like...
1: Hey, what about our uh, really nice old lady neighbor? Yeah, I need an adult here. <laughs> Shit's getting <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> My mom just ripped her tooth out. Oh <laughs> shit! That that's, that's crazy. Ugh. Oh,
0: and the dog. Oh, oh buddy. Man. Yeah, that dog was just doing his best. Yeah. Right before that, though, she was like sitting on the couch just twitching. Yeah. Like, and. Like, in my youth, before I did some self-discovery and work, I remember I would have moments of being that pissed. Yeah. Like, just, oh. Ugh. um I'm glad I never took it out on anyone's pets. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that scene was so sad and weird. Yeah. And could you imagine being a kid and, like, finding that out? Ugh. <sighs>
1: yeah. There is that moment where he kind of, like, he looks at the dog and he realizes that the dog's dead and his mom killed the dog for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And you just kind of see the, like, half second of it being like, we have bigger fish to fry right now. Mm -hmm. Like, he looks at the dog and he's like, fuck. And he just, Mm -hmm. like, gets back to trying to tame his mother.
0: Mm -hmm. And actually ends up stabbing her. Yep. Which yeah. was pretty brutal. But he did it in a non... I don't know if he knew intentionally, but he did it in a non-life-threatening um, place. Right. Like, in the top of the leg. I I
1: feel like... I don't know. He can't tie his shoe. But most people are smart enough to know that, like, if you stab a leg, like, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. So, I like, to think he, he knew what he was yeah. doing. Yeah. Um, Well, he was a pretty violent kid.
0: Yeah. Well, he was... He liked weapons as a form of protection, and I Uh feel like that might have been in part because he felt, because his dad wasn't there, he had to be the defender of the house. Yeah. I also... I really related with Sam in a way. Like, I was always that kid that was around when shitty things happened and, like, got blamed for them, but they really... Like, when he... Was interacting with his cousin. And, uh, oh, Noah's his cousin broken. was a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> she was worse than he is, for sure. Way worse. Yeah. Just quieter about it. I kind of identified with Sam in that way, like, the shitty thing happens and you get blamed for it and you're like, I was just, I, I didn't mean to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. No,
1: I've, there are a lot of times where I relate to Sam. Um, I think if he just wasn't so screechy, I'd like him a lot more.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, for me, one of the scariest scenes in the movie was um, Sam had run away from Amelia, locked the door behind him, and the mo- Amelia, the mom, was saying, you don't want the dog to die, do you? I wish it uh, was you and not him, and like all these mixed up things. And then she says, I want you to meet your dad.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm She's like, like, it's nice there. Oh, God. Ugh. You're going to murder your kid. Don't murder your kid. Ugh. He's bad but he's not that bad
0: yeah um.
1: also I had a theory that uh the Boba Duke might be like the spirit of her like his father mm-hmm um, also uh I was I made a note while I was watching it that they they cast the child to not look at all like the father and look a lot like her
0: hmm
1: and so like Because the father was, like, a kind of swarthier gentleman. He was Uh, good-looking. He was, yeah, he was very (laughs) handsome. He had, like, olive skin and, like, black hair. Um, And here's this, like, pale motherfucker with, like, big blue eyes and blonde hair Mm -hmm. um, who looks a lot more like his mom. So I wonder if that was a conscious choice.
0: Yeah. Uh, The scenes where you see the dad really creep me out, too. When he would always say, I think it's going to rain. And, Uh, just, ugh. One thing I feel... I felt the the Babadook was the spirit of the father, but I also feel it was a metaphor for, like the it was almost like the personification of all the f- bad feelings she has regarding her husband's death and having to be a single mom, and yeah, and I like the one thing that really pointed that out to me was uh, that end scene where she brings a bowl of worms. To feed the Babadook. Like, you Uh can't get rid of the Babadook, but you can take care of it and nurture it and, like, manage it. Right. And so, like, to me, that, like, one thing I've been talking about with my therapist is this idea that you you have shitty, horrible things that happen in your life that you can't erase, but you learn to sit with them. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, it felt like such a representation of the idea of, like, we learn to sit with the horrible things in our life. Right. And the other thing that really made me feel that way also is in the beginning when Sam starts to talk about her da- his dad dying, uh-huh. mom is like, shut up, you know, like we don't talk about it, repress, repress, repress. Right. And then in the end, Sam brings it up, he says, my dad's dead and I broke my cousin's nose in two places. <laughs> and yeah. Then, uh, Amelia looks at him and says, oh, he always speaks his mind, you know. Just like his father. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like this... Uh, Like, acknowledging, yeah, fucked up shit happens, but we're here, and we're gonna continue to be a family. Yep. And to me, that was really a statement about, like, getting help for your mental illness and, like, putting all your bullshit out on the table and being like, yeah, this is me. I'm broken. Here it is. (laughs) And being okay with it. And I really, really liked that theme. I think that was a really very important theme throughout
1: the whole movie, but... And I think those moments where she goes down to feed the Duke, she leaves Sam upstairs, mm-hmm. and so I I agree with that metaphor that it's like her, like taking time to like sit, with mm-hmm. her, like the things that have happened to her, and like, I think it's. Oh, like a interesting and kind of weird metaphor for like her finally taking time for self-care oh yeah because like that's
0: when sam's not around that's a good point too i didn't realize that she makes sam stay upstairs yeah that's very true and then
1: uh she goes back upstairs and he's like how was it today and she's like
0: today it wasn't so bad hmm. we just solved this movie <laughs> <laughs> so any final thoughts on the babadook it's a
1: really beautiful movie actually and it's like a really good representation of like how difficult motherhood is and also you really do need to take time for Mm self-care and i don't know maybe leave the kid with the neighbor for like a night and just
0: like touch yourself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you won't kill your dog. Yeah. The Babadook is a call for all ladies to take a moment and just masturbate. You know? Yes. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, it was awesome having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This yeah. was so fun. And um, this will launch on October 17th. What cool. kind of stuff you got going on in the city that you want people to come to?
1: Um, on October 21st, there will be the first installment of five uh, of the of a series of uh, black, brown, and fucking exhausted variety shows. It's going to be occult-themed.
0: Oh, I'm uh, in.
1: <laughs> uh, and we're going to have all artists of color. We're going to have some uh, burlesque. Uh, a friend of mine is going to be reading auras. Uh, we are going to have um, a <laughs> little, like section of my I'm having it in my apartment but everybody's welcome as long as you don't trash the place uh we're gonna have like a little Selena memorial where um, you can come pay yeah. tribute to Selena uh <laughs> it's mostly it's gonna be like a variety show and a party and, and like a celebration of the arts and also culture and people um so that'll be on October 21st uh, the event page for Black, Brown, and Fucking Exhausted, or BBFE, should be coming out fairly soon and probably already be out by October 17th. Fantastic. And then um, We Still Like You on November 6th is going to be at the Flatiron Arts Building at 10pm, and it's going to be headlined by uh, Chicago, local Chicago celebrity, Lucy Stool. The Drag oh. Queen. Uh, and it's going to be my Love birthday her. show. <gasps> oh, Chicago, you have to come. It's going to be so
0: fun. So, just a lot of fun parties and celebrating shame and uh, culture. Yeah. And you should definitely follow Danny on Twitter. We'll have that information up. Uh, she's a goddamn delight. So, check <laughs> her out. Uh, that's been Danny Gallegos. I'm Kristen Ryan, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night.